the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He was trying to show the Israelites that. He was trying to show them that their idols are not gods to be trusted, but that He is the Lord that they should trust in. And God uses circumstances in our lives. He allows things and He brings things into our lives to show us He's the Lord. He's the one we should trust in. He's using this pandemic right now in our world to show us that He's the only one that we can really trust in. He's the only one that we can really depend upon. Our world feels particularly shaky and vulnerable right now. There's sickness, violence, division, and rampant sin spreading throughout the nation. And despite what it may seem like, God is not out of control. In fact, as Pastor Dan will remind you today, he's working even all of this for the good of those who love him. He'll use these difficult moments to draw people to him and draw believers closer to him. He longs for you to humbly turn to him in your suffering and recognize your deep need of God. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now I thought also today of, of just Psalm 82, where it says, Defend the weak and do justice to the afflicted. And I don't, I don't know how we do that, but we should pray, Lord, how? How, how do you want us to defend the weak? How, how do we do justice to the afflicted? Lord, what, what can I do? How do, how do I do that? How do I fulfill this command in Psalm 82 to do justice to the afflicted? Lord, how do you want me to do that? Ask the Lord to show us. So I, I for me, I, you know, I'm a Bible guy. And I look at what happened with Israel and how they, they had this, this sin from the very beginning of their nation that was always an issue in the nation throughout their history. And there were, time, and there were times that were better than others regarding this sin. There were times when, when the nation of Israel dealt with this sin better than at other times when they didn't deal with it very well. But ultimately, they, they never really dealt with it as a nation. They never really repented of it. They never, never really turned from it. They just allowed it and tolerated it. And then you come to the end of the nation and, and it's this one thing that brings about the end of the nation. And again, I think there's a warning for us in that. I think there's also a warning for us as, as individuals and the warning to us as individuals is this. Deal with your sin before your sin destroys you. 
Deal with your sin before your sin destroys you. Don't just allow your sin to continue on, off to the side in your life, always around. Don't think, well, it's not that big of a deal, or nobody really knows about it, or, or it's okay for me to do this, it's okay for me to, to compromise this way in my life and just kind of allow this in my life. No, destroy the high places. Tear down the altars once and for all. You know, Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. In other words, deal drastically with your sin. Don't allow it in your life. Don't allow it to remain. Do whatever is necessary to remove it. Destroy your sin before it destroys you. No, God commanded King Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites to completely wipe them out. God said even their cattle and their livestock leave nothing remaining of the Amalekites. And Saul was only partially obedient to God. He didn't utterly destroy the Amalekites and everything that they owned. He, he destroyed the things that he didn't like that belonged to the Amalekites. But the things that belonged to the Amalekites that he liked, he kept those. Because he wanted those around. He didn't utterly destroy the Amalekites. And later on in Saul's life, it was an Amalekite who killed Saul. Saul died at the hands of an Amalekite. Again, the lesson for us is you destroy your sin before your sin destroys you. Israel as a nation, their sin that they did not repent of, that they would never turn from throughout their history, that they would never deal with nationally and get rid of, ultimately that sin destroyed them. As a nation. Now watch what Ezekiel says here in verse 4. This word that Ezekiel uses that's translated idols. Is a key term in Ezekiel in verse 4. Uh, it's, it's a unique word in the Hebrew. Uh, and, it's, and it's Ezekiel's favorite term for idols. The Hebrew word that, for idols here. It's used 49 times in the Old Testament. Of those 49 times. 39 times it's used by Ezekiel. This Hebrew word that's translated idols in your Bible, it, it comes from the Hebrew word for excrement. Don't you like that one? It's the Hebrew word for excrement. Ezekiel calls these pagan gods excrement gods. Or dung gods. Or you, you can substitute whatever word is coming into your mind right now for that word. These excrement gods. I point that out not to be humorous, but, but to say you, you get a sense here of Ezekiel's righteous indignation, his righteous anger towards these idols, because these excrement idols are destroying the nation. And he knows it. And that's why he, he uses such colorful language here. When he talks about these idols, this is, this is the thing he knows that is, is destroying his nation. And so he, he has this, this, this righteous anger about it. And, and we should have a righteous anger about sin. In, in an individual's life, in a national life, but there, there's, a, there's a righteous anger. You know, it, it, it makes you want to cuss kind of thing. Like Ezekiel. Just this righteous anger. Verse 5 says, And I, I will lay the corpses of the children of Israel before their idols, 
and I will scatter your bones all around your altars. So, so the bodies of the people will be left in the fields exposed uh, to, you know, for the animals and birds to devour. No one will bury them. Now, in, ancient, in the ancient Near East, bodies left in the open field unburied was considered the punishment for breaking a covenant. It was the punishment for breaking a covenant. If you're a note taker, you can jot down Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham, promising Abraham to give him the promised land, the land of, of Canaan. And in that covenant, the Lord God told Abraham to take a heifer, take a female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon, sacrifice them, cut each animal down the middle, and lay the halves side by side. And then the Lord passed through the middle of the halves of the animal carcasses. And then it says, and so the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day, promising the land to him and his descendants. Kind of an unusual event. God tells Abraham to take all these animals, sacrifice them, cut them in half, lay out the two halves, and then God passed through the middle of the two halves. And this is how people in the ancient Near East would enter into a covenant or a contract or an agreement. You know, today we draw up a contract and both parties sign the contract and there's two witnesses and a, and a notary public there to verify that it's authentic and everything. But in the ancient world, they would sacrifice an animal or they would sacrifice several animals, cut the animals in two halves, and then they would pass through each member of the covenant would pass through the middle of the carcasses. If you, if you are familiar with the passage in Genesis 15, God passes through the middle of the carcasses, but Abraham never passes through the middle of the carcasses. God obligated himself to the covenant to give Abraham the land. But that's a different sermon for a different time. You know, today we have a saying called, you know, we say uh, they cut a deal. Or I cut a deal. Uh, that saying goes back to this practice of cutting an animal in half and the two uh, parties passing through the two carcasses, the two halves of the animal. That's, that's cutting a deal. And here's how it applies to Ezekiel 6. By passing through the middle of the carcasses, each person entering into the covenant was saying, if I break this covenant, may it be done to me what has been done to these animals. May it be done to me what has been done to these animals. So in verse 5, when God says, I will lay the corpses of the children of Israel before their idols, I will scatter your bones uh, all around your altars. He, he's saying, you broke your covenant with me. You broke our covenant that you agreed to. And so now you're going to suffer the consequences of breaking the covenant. You know, the first commandment of the covenant is, you shall have no other gods before me. And, and they've, they've been doing that since the time of Joshua. So their corpses will be scattered before their idols. In verse 7, the slain shall fall in your midst and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now you should underline that phrase, you shall know that I am the Lord. It's an important phrase in the book of Ezekiel. It's found over 60 times in the book of Ezekiel. This is the theme of Ezekiel. God's purpose is so that they would know that He is the Lord. Not their idols, but that He, Yahweh, is truly their God. 
God's purpose in everything he does in our lives is so that we might know that he is the Lord. So that we might know that he's the one true God. And he was trying to show the Israelites that. He was trying to show them that their idols are not gods to be trusted, but that he is the Lord that they should trust in. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. And God uses circumstances in our lives. He allows things and He brings things into our lives to show us He's the Lord. He's the one we should trust in. He's using this pandemic right now in our world to show us that He's the only one that we can really trust in. He's the only one that we can really depend upon. And so verse 8, God promises, Yet I will leave a remnant, so that you may have some who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered through the country. God in His mercy allows a remnant that remains, a remnant that will escape the sword and be part of the future restoration of the nation. Verse 9, Then those of you who escape this remnant will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by their adulterous hearts which has departed from me and by their eyes which play the harlot after their idols. They will loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed and all their abominations and they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring this calamity Upon them. There was a remnant in the captivity who will turn back to God. It says they will remember the Lord among the nations where they are carried captive. Remembrance is always the first step of repentance. Remember in the New Testament in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was dwelling in a distant land, feeding pigs, when he remembered his father's home. And he remembered how good his father's servants had it in his father's house. And so he decided to return to his father's house. He remembered and then he repented. It all began with remembering. Uh, In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, you have left your first love. And Jesus tells them, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works again. Remembering is the first step in repentance. And here God says, in captivity you will remember me. You'll turn back to me. God talks about this way back in the law, way back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, before they even entered into the land. God knew that they would rebel. He knew that they would go after idols. He knew that he would drive them out of the land. 
and send them off to captivity. And he knew in captivity they would remember him. A remnant would turn back. And he would bring them back into the land and restore them back into the land. Now look at verse 9 again. It's a remarkable statement here that God makes. Look, you, look what you see God's heart here. I was crushed by their adulterous heart, which has departed from me, and by their eyes, which play the harlot. They've got this wandering eye going after other idols. God says he was, he was crushed by their adulterous heart, which has departed from me. Broken hearted. He's broken hearted by their idolatry. He's crushed. God's crushed when we sin. He's crushed when we sin. It breaks his heart. He's not angry here. He's broken hearted. Just, just like a, a, a husband or a wife who is, is crushed by a spouse who commits adultery. By their, their wandering eye. That's what he talks about here. Their, their eye which plays the harlot. The, you know, it's, it's, they're always looking around. Got this wandering eye. Always looking at other gods. It's crushing. God's crushed. And this is why God sent His Son into the world. To die on the cross for our sins. To save us. Not, not because He's, he's angry. He's broken hearted. He, 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 wants, he wants us back. So he sent his son to make a way back for us through the cross. To save us from our sin. Notice it says they will loathe themselves for the evil which they have committed. There, there's a, a humility now. There's a brokenness now. A humbling, a, a, a repentance here. A, a, a regret over their sin. That's important. That's an important part of repentance to, to, to feel a loathing, a regret over your sin. Thus says the Lord God, verse 11, pound your fists and stamp your feet. The idea here is just, you know, just this this horror over the sin of Israel. You know, just pound your fist. I can't believe this. Stamp your feet and say, Alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die by pestilence. He who is near shall fall by the sword. And he who remains and is besieged shall die by famine. There's going to be no escaping this, except for that remnant. Thus will I spend my fury upon them. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When their slain are among their idols all around their altars, on every high hill, on all the mountaintops, under every green tree and under every thick oak, wherever they offered sweet incense to all their, their idols. These were all places of idol worship, places of idol worship. And now the the, the carcasses of the people are going to be scattered around all of these places that were formerly places of, of worship. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. 
Once God carries out his word, once God does exactly what he said he would do, then you're going to know that I'm the Lord. And now all of these corpses will be scattered around these altars where they used to burn sweet incense to their idols. There used to be, you know, this, this sweet fragrance at all of these places of idol worship. And now there's just the stench of rotting corpses. Those same places. So I will stretch out my hand against them. <laughs> you know, the Heisman. Now watch what he says. And I will make the land desolate. Yes, more desolate than the wilderness toward Dibla. Now we don't know where Dibla is. But we know what wilderness is. And all their dwelling places. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. God says, I'm going to make their land desolate because they haven't dealt with their sin. They haven't repented of it. They haven't turned from it. And now, time is up. We're going to see in chapter 7, he's going to say, the end has come. Your time is up. And, and now he's going to make the land desolate. He's going to make it like a wilderness, like a desert. Not, not literally. He's not going to literally turn it into desert, but the land will be like the wilderness. And in other words, you know, the wilderness, it's, it's desert, it's, it's harsh, it's difficult, and it's impossible to survive for very long in the wilderness without God's help. And what God says here is, I'm going to make their land seem like a wilderness. I'm going to make life harsh. I'm going to make it difficult. I'm going to make their life impossible without me. So that they will know that I am the Lord. Now you think back to the book of Exodus when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. He immediately took them out into the wilderness. He delivered them out of their slavery, out of their bondage in Egypt, and He immediately took them out into the wilderness. Why? So that they could learn that Yahweh is their God. And that they could learn how to live a life of dependence upon God. Because you ain't going to survive in the wilderness on their own. There's, there's no way. It's too difficult. It's too impossible. It's, it's too hard. And so God purposely took them out into the wilderness so that they could learn to rely upon God for everything. And God is going to take Israel through this wilderness time so that they shall know that I am the Lord. And God will use the wilderness times in our life. Difficult times, hard times, harsh times. Disorientating times because it's, it's hard to keep your orientation in the wilderness. He uses all of those things in our lives. Those, those, those impossible times, those impossible seasons in our lives, those wilderness times where everything is stripped away and it's just hard to make it through the day. And God will use those times in our lives so that we learn that He is our Lord and that we can depend upon Him and He will provide for us and He will care for us and for all of our needs. He asked me how I know and I say 
is truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ezekiel together. If you'd like to hear this message again or more from Pastor Dan, feel free to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy, and when it gets busy, it can be hard to find the time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also love to be praying for you. So when you call, feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart, and we'd be happy to pray with and for you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Ezekiel, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. It's true.